Hello, you fabulous interior design professional. It's a whole new year and I am so happy to be here. I've missed you all. The holidays were quiet in terms of reaching out and connecting with members, but I had such a nice little rest period. I'm ready to go now. And we are launching this episode of Business of Design and the podcast and a whole new season of the podcast with a lovely, lovely, amazing woman, Crystal Collinson. Crystal has her own podcast called The Productive Designer. And I was recently a guest. And after I finished the interview with her, I'm like, you have to come on our podcast as well. She works predominantly with builders and developers. And she's going to tell you a little bit about what that world is like. So if it's something that you're thinking of, it may pique your interest or snuff it out. Who knows? If it's something you already do, maybe you'll learn something. I'll tell you what I learned, which I never thought of before. I was talking about the frustration of working with clients who have purchased a new condo or townhouse from a builder. And we go to the design center, we make our selections. And of course, it's so limited, right? What your options are when you're in that situation. And the upgrade costs are crazy expensive. We're recently dealing with that with a client, someone wonderful I took on during COVID, recently widowed, and needed a new place to live and a new beginning. And I just oh, I just wanted to put my arms around her. And it was so sad to go to the design center together way back when. And everything she loved was a fortune. You know, it was just increased her budget exponentially. But um, Crystal said something which I'd never had to deal with before, which is if you want to upgrade your flooring, your hardwood flooring, for example, and you're living in a townhouse or a home in a developed neighborhood, that you pay an upgrade fee for the hardwood flooring. So you get your nice, you know, walnut, French walnut color floors. But the stairs also have to be restained and upgraded. So, wow, that is just crazy. The things you don't think of. So at the end, I asked her, "Do what do you tell people? Like save another at least 20% so they can do all the upgrades you want. Because I don't know about you, but I've never been in a situation where they just took the basics all the way across. Anyway, an interesting thing to think about. And you know, one more time, Crystal tells us, you know... It never happens the way you think it's going to happen. You want to break into the industry, you've got to do the basic things like networking. So she joined an association called BUILD, which is for builders, developers, and uh, land development as well. So you, you just, it just seems like more and more we've got to do that, hopefully, face-to-face networking It's 2022, for goodness sakes. We're going to be back to -to face-to-face more or less completely now, aren't we? I sure hope so. And I missed you. I hope your holidays were great. I hope work is lovely, busy, but not too busy. And I've missed this woman too. Cheryl Horn, Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you too. I have to tell you the craziest thing. I was watching this documentary. Uh, It's a film by Sarah Pauly, and it's called Stories We Tell. The Stories We Tell. It's really, really good. Sarah Sarah Pauly is a Canadian actor. She's been in a ton of movies and films. You've probably seen her in something, even if you don't know her name. Uh, When I first moved to Canada... 
I worked on a movie and her mom, Diane Polly, was a casting director. And this film is about her mom. It's about her family and it's about her. Anyway, there's this scene in the middle of the documentary that I think is shot completely back in the day, like old school. It was filmed a long time ago. But all of a sudden I see Christine Horn's face. I'm like, that is that's the craziest thing I've ever seen. So I'm like, I wonder if Cheryl's mom was also an actor. Um, anyway, crazy. And then at the end, I found out, oh, that in the documentary, they added, they supplemented some of the vintage footage with some current contemporary footage and they used actors. And guess who was in it? Christine Horn. I don't know if you've seen it, but it's so, so good. I haven't seen it actually. That's awful, but... Um, I guess for starters, no, my mom's never been uh, an actress or in the business. But yeah, I think, uh, unfortunately, there's so many things that my sister has done that I have not seen. She doesn't tell us, you know, like this, it's just her job. It would be like you calling your kids to tell them when you're going to be on City Line. It's just, you know, theater and stuff I usually know about, but a lot of the... uh, you know, TV or movies and things like that. She doesn't uh, get around to telling us it's it's just her job. <laughs> amazing. Amazing. So it's a whole new year. What is business of design up to besides everything, everything? I know the retreat's coming up. I'm super excited about that. Well, it was nice to have a little bit of time off over the holidays, but uh, yeah, we are getting ready and gearing up for our retreat since it's officially 2022. It sounds weird to even say, but I know the next few months are just going to go by really quick as we uh, gear up for the retreat because we're all so excited about it. Uh, So that is coming up Thursday, April 28th to Sunday, May 1st. Uh, Registration is open. If you're a Business of Design member, you're going to save $500 on your ticket. Uh, Details are on the website. Uh, A loose itinerary is on the website. Please uh, check that out first. Give me a call or shoot me an email if you have any questions about it. But we'd love to see everyone in Santa Monica. We're very much ready for a face-to-face. Welcome to the Business of Design podcast with Kimberly Selden. Business of Design is the world's best business training for interior design professionals like you. We have the systems, strategies, and protocols you need to consistently satisfy clients, increase profitability, and run your projects like a boss. Unlike traditional coaching, BOD is a fast track to immediate results. Don't try to do this alone. Join today and you'll have access to hundreds of targeted training modules, plus member perks like BOD Live events, member-only podcasts, preferred pricing, and the support of an engaged community of peers. We all know design matters. At Business of Design, we think designers matter too. Hey, Crystal, how are you? I'm doing great. We had a little tech issue before, so I'm still giggling a little bit about that. Yeah, it turns out you actually need to be plugged in for the power to work, which is, that seems so, yeah, that seems so 1990. I don't get that at all. But anyway, it's really nice to see you again. And you have all these guitars and drum sets behind you. Um, Are you the musician? Or I think you said it was your, is it your son? It's my son. Yes, definitely my son. Um, I'd like to think when people say, what, what, what part do you have in all this? And I just say that I'm, you know, I'm the manager and the, you know, the, the finance accounting department. So right of, of, of the band. That's so cool. Yeah. We have a, we have a guitarist son as well. So I believe me, I feel you. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, and Crystal has an amazing podcast called the productive designer, which I was recently on. And we said, Hey, let's turn the table. And now we've got Crystal on because your focus has been for these how many years is it now? 
Uh, 20. No, it isn't. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So your focus has been much more <laughs> builders, model homes. And uh, I know a lot of our listeners also uh, either dabble in that area or work full time in that area. And as someone who does a lot of residential design, I always think like, wow, it might be wonderful not to have to deal with a client, but you actually do deal with a client. It's just oh, yeah. a builder. Yeah. So it's tell, a builder. tell us about what that world is like. Well, it does sound on the surface like, oh, how fabulous you don't have, you know, uh, you know, you don't have a Mr. and Mrs. Smith that's living in this house, et cetera. And so, you know, that should be great. And trust me, there's a lot of benefits to that because there are, when things need to be reselected, we can just reselect and there's usually not a major approval process to go through to, to reselect stuff. So, um, but there's a lot of limitations as well with working with your builders, uh, especially like production builders. That's predominantly what we deal with. So ones that are developing, you know, communities and neighborhoods, building several hundred houses a year type of thing, or several hundred houses in a community. So we'll do, um, you know, typically the, the the first part of that process would be um, the sales center. So the sales presentation center, where it's basically the store where people come to buy their house. So um, you know, and lately we've been doing a lot more virtual stuff because um, a lot of builders are doing more um, condensed housing. So that being like stacked towns and that kind of thing. So they can't just build a one-off model of a stacked town. That's just not possible. So we'll do a lot of virtual stuff. So we'll do virtual models um, as well. So we're designing again, just the same amount of work with the exception of the purchasing element, right? We don't have to do the the, the purchasing of the items because it's everything's created digitally. So, but it is still a, a pretty lengthy um, endeavor to do that. And then the communication for the renderers to actually quote unquote build digitally what it is that our design vision is. So that's sort of one aspect. Then we have, which is usually inclusive of the marketing plan. Um, so there's the sales presentation center, which people would go into where your sales team would be there. So there's a lot of millwork drawings that are required for that because we're doing custom site plan tables or we're doing, you know, um, surrounds for touch screens because everything's touch screens. Gone are the days where they had the floor plans printed out on the wall with all the different housing layouts and stuff. So that's, um, it's changed slightly. Um, so that's sort of one aspect of it. If it is a low-rise detached house, then there might be a model on that location as well. Um, typically, they kind of get the sales started first and then months down the road, then they'll get into doing a model home. So um, everything's pre-construction. So we're just doing everything from plants. So it's pre-construction, yes. But at what stage are they calling you in? Are you getting a call from a builder once they kind of have a rough idea of what they want to do? Or are you getting called in from like, we've got this plot of dirt here? No, more so architecturals are started. So they've, you know, have site plan, um, you know, site plan approval, then they're, you know, dividing out what the lot sizes are going to be, you know, all that stuff, which I don't really get involved in. Once the house layouts are, are designed, typically that's when they bring us in and they'll say, okay, we're going to do this model type and this model type. Or, you know, sometimes it's one, sometimes it's five. Um, I had one one location where we did seven. It was insane. Wow. So, <laughs> wow. And yeah. have you ever looked at the uh, floor plans and the initial design and thought, this is just bad? Like, can we yes. please have a conversation? I assume that yes. that's a very difficult conversation to have. Sometimes it is. Again, it depends on the size of the builder and the size of the development. The bigger builders are kind of like, nope, that, 
that's it, move along. Um, whereas some smaller builders, uh, we've had a couple of scenarios where we said like, listen, they were small units too. They were stacked towns. And we said, you know, if we just sort of change this wall and close off the door and have it open here and da, 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 like it makes for this living room that had literally nowhere to put a TV. And that would be where people would watch the, you know, watch TV because it was a small stacked town. Um, so we were able to sort of get involved early at that point. And that's when we like to be, but sure. right. It's not always the way it works. Yeah, no, I, I imagine it isn't. Okay. So then you are assigned with the task to come up with best scenario for one, two, three, five, seven models. Mm-hmm. And then do you also get involved with individual clients after that? Like Mrs. Smith bought model C, but she wants your help making selections. Um, you know what? We've had a lot of purchasers contact us afterwards. We've really, in the 20 years, I've only had, I think, two that actually turned into real jobs. I think a lot of times, again, it's that misconception of what it takes to hire or what it costs to hire a design designer to help you furnish your house, what it costs to furnish the house. Um, you know, you'll get a lot of the, oh, the salespeople will say, oh, they want to know what color you used in bedroom two, you know, like that kind of stuff. And there's a right. certain level of you're like, okay, if it gets to be out of hand, you kind of go, we can't answer all the questions, but typically it's not too bad. Um, so we've had, we've had inquiries and over the years I've, I've created a package that basically says, here's how we work. I send it off and 99% of the time I don't hear from them, right? I think they get scared off by the cost. Yeah. Well, it sounds like that's all almost by design. Like it doesn't seem like you're really keen to dig into it's that. It's not our focus. No. Right. Definitely yeah. Not. So that I understand. For somebody else yep. who's listening who wants that to be the focus, then you would keep tweaking that package until you found a sweet spot where you could be profitable and take on some jobs. Yeah. And as I said, we've had one um, actually very early on in my my career of kind of in this industry where one of the first projects, actually, uh, one of the homeowners bought it, uh, bought one of the houses, and then they hired us to do the main floor. Then they hired us to do their basement. You know, it was a good size house. And then when their daughter got, um, you know, married, we we went to the daughter's wedding. We, we did the daughter's yeah. condo. So it was kind of one of those. But, you know, they were special people. So uh, it doesn't happen that often. How difficult is it to get into this market? I meet a lot of designers who say that they are just giving out free estimates, free advice, meeting after meeting after meeting, and they can't break in. And is when they're giving free advice and free estimates, to who are they giving those to? Do you know? Developers. That's my understanding. The developer slash builder. Mm-hmm. I think, you know what, I... I probably people don't want to hear this, but I kind of stumbled upon into it, to be honest. Um, when I went out on my own, I, I worked um, for the Hudson's Bay company prior to being to going out on my own. And so I did store design and I did all their home outfitter stores when they were around. They're no longer anymore. But um, And then when I went out on my own, and so I joined the Home Builders Association, which is now called Build, which is kind of a combined building and land development and I joined that as just sort of a way to sort of network and start to get to meet some some builders. And I literally got a call out of the blue. We've got two models. Can you come in and and give us a proposal? And then, as I said, I kind of fake it till you make it because I really didn't quite understand that industry at that time. Yeah. So it's like when people ask me how I got on TV. Um, mm-hmm. I went to a coffee shop. I burst into tears. And a woman that I knew from a former life said, what are you doing now? <laughs> So it's not a very good way to get into TV, but it no. yeah, yeah. So yeah. you do, but you put yourself in a position where you would meet those people. So I yes. guess that is the point. 
Yeah, for sure. What would you say are the big advantages of working in that at that in that side of the industry versus perhaps what you hear about working in for more direct to consumer? Right. Uh, so yeah, so it's definitely a business to business. It's a B two B model basically, and um, there's lots of advantages in the sense of, you know, you you go in with a pretty much a, a, a complete scope, right? We are given complete scope. So from, you know, picking the finishes of the model right down to the little knickknacks that we put, you know, and and decor and style the, the house. So we are lucky that we get to do the full thing, right? We get to have complete con- creative control over that. Um, you know, some builders are going to be a little bit more hands-on and will be really involved in wanting to see all the furniture, all like the furnishings and furniture that you're selecting. And others are kind of like, we're good with a mood board and, you know, look and feel is what I call them. And kind of like, okay, we're great off to the races, right? So it, it depends on how involved um, they want to be. But really, they're my our, our um, responsibility is to meet the deadline, meet the budget, meet the, you know, the, the aesthetics of what we've um, usually are we're not necessarily told, we're kind of told a demographic in a sense of like move up buyer or first time buyer or, you know, whatever. Sometimes there's a, a population that will be kind of more geared towards, you know, maybe a South Asian, maybe it's an investor, maybe that type of thing. So we will be given some parameters. Um, and so basically, you know, there's, there's a lot of advantages in the sense of being able to have a lot more creative control. Disadvantages obviously are, you know, you've quoted a price, you got to better, you better meet that or do, or do better so that you're not losing money. Uh, Obviously Uh, timelines can be pretty crazy. Um, And as you know, I've got two models coming up this spring that I'm, um, I'm, I'm nervous about in a sense because of just with stock issues, right? I'm going to be now saying, okay, what is on our Canadian Ontario soil that I can see and touch before I spec it? Because years before I would just spec stuff, you know, and, you know, order it in kind of thing. But as we know, that's not the way things are now. That seems to be our first question these days. What do you have <laughs> right now? I'm going to back a truck up. What do you have? Exactly. <laughs> I don't exactly. want it anywhere else, only right there. So yeah. so have you ever put yourself, have you ever found yourself in a position, and I know the residential designers will relate to this, where you're thinking, I'm going to get a great photo out of this oh, particular yeah. model. So I'm going to go over and above so have you ever put yourself on the line and spent too much money or chased that grave photo? Um, I think, again, with the chasing the money in the sense of maybe because it's a, I would say it's kind of a pool of funds, right? So if it's, let's just say I said it's 100000 to furnish this four-bedroom house um, and I spend more in one room, as long as I can kind of tweak and adjust in the other areas. And that's something that I'm really diligent about is as we're, as we're selecting items, I kind of, I have a running list, like a spreadsheet that I'm just literally making sure that the items that we're selecting, you know, I kind of try to do a budget per category, right? So furniture, I'll do a budget for lighting. I'll do a budget for draperies and that. And then I try to say, okay, I should be within this range, but if I'm going to go over a little bit on, let's say we went a little over on draperies because I had to have this fabric. It was beautiful, whatever. Okay. Well, maybe we, in some of the, you know, secondary bathrooms, we're going to go a little less on the lighting because most of the time people are zipping through those bathrooms. They don't really care. They're looking at the the master. So, you know, you pick and choose where you're going to spend and where you're going to sort of pull back a bit. But there is just no ignoring the fact that you have to hit that budget, which I think is really good training for anybody. Like if you're just starting out to do some time working in your industry, even for those who are switching to residential, seems like a smart idea. 
Oh yeah, it's definitely. I mean, when I remember when I did my very first model, I spent hours upon hours upon hours just making up spreadsheets, trying to think of every possible thing that we would need in the space and, you know, putting sort of dollar amounts to it and just trying to go down to the the, the minute detail of accessories. Because as we know, accessories, I always say accessories are one of those sort of they're not a science, right? It's one of those things where you go out, you get a whole bunch of stuff. You're like, oh, I got tons. And you bring it in, you go, ugh, I got nothing. <laughs> They're like just swallowed up in the space. And so, you know, so over the years I've learned budget higher, budget higher for accessories for sure. Yeah. At the end of the day, they make such a huge difference. Um, for sure. Yeah. It's interesting, huh? It sounds like for the most part, you get a fair amount of autonomy. You, you, you show the look and feel board and most builders will say, okay, go for it. Is there anywhere you feel like your hands are really tied? Yeah, definitely. With Because most production builders have contracts established with all their vendors, suppliers, so the kitchen cabinet company, the, the countertop people, and they're all given contract prices for what what is referred to in the industry as a standard, right? It's kind of like the base model, as if you're buying a car, it's the base model. And then any upgrades you want to do, um, then there's the upgrade. And that's how their decor centers, you know, make money, is they have their standard. Here's your standard group of finishes that you can pick from. Typically, they're pretty basic. You know, it's your 13 by 13 tile. It's your... Most builders aren't even doing backsplashes anymore. Like that's a, that's an extra, um, you know, your bathroom tiles are usually pretty limited. Again, depending on the project and the level of, of price point for that project, mm-hmm. they're going to be pretty limited. So we are definitely um, constrained by their, what their contracts are with their suppliers. So their tile suppliers, their plumbing, you know, it may only be like, for instance, Moen and Delta tend to be the two most common that builders use. So it might be like, well, this is a Moen site, so you can only pick from Moen faucets. and Or you can only pick from Moen faucets, but we only carry these five. That kind of thing. So there can be definitely some constraints, especially cabinetry. You don't necessarily get to do a lot of creative, fun things in the kitchen. A lot of times it's fairly, again, fairly standardized. Depends on the, you know, if, if it's a big builder that's doing massive, like doing quantity, then you're very much limited because they just can't have that customizing. Whereas if it's a builder that's maybe doing a little less quantity and there's a little more options and opportunity to to do some more creative things. So yeah, yeah there's definitely parameters. There's boundaries and restrictions that we have to fit within for sure. We've been on the assisting the client side of some of those arrangements. And I have to say the upgrade charges seem obscene to me. And it does they feel do. that like clearly that is how you're going to make all your money. Um you know, I don't know. A lot of that has to do, which is funny because it's still one of my biggest beefs in the industry, um, the tile. That's probably the biggest one. And apparently what it is, is that the t- most of the tile installers are all um, part of a union. And so their their cost is based on a tile size, I believe it is. Um, so anything that gets over the 24 inch mark of some, you know, the, the, the next level is just like boom, boom, exponentially more expensive. So yeah, there is sometimes you just, I mean, I, years ago when I first started, I did work with the purchasers. Like, so I did the model home and then I worked with the purchasers and I, at times I would just be cringing and be like, I wanting to say it going, Oh my God, I can't believe they're charging this much for this countertop or whatever. Right. But, um, 
you know, yeah. but that's that's their profit center for sure. We sort of tell them like upgrade the countertops to what you want. Ignore the tile. Who cares? We'll rip it out and do new. And we've now gotten to the point where like just ignore the electrical because to put switches in the right place, to put outlets in the right place, it's so crazy expensive. I'm like, just after the fact, we'll come in and do it and patch and paint the walls. And don't even worry about it. Yeah. Just, just yeah. let it go because it's just a small fortune. Well, and then there's some things like flooring, like hardwood, right? And you're kind of going, you got to you gotta bite the bullet kind of thing. You know, certain things are just going, okay, they're not going to rip out their hardwood flooring once they move in. Like, yeah, yeah. You know? So, no, and you yeah. try, like, you'll say, can we just, like, not have any flooring? No. no. <laughs> okay. Or, Occupancy I mean, that's a gross permit. exaggeration, but, like, <laughs> yeah, it's like, okay, yeah. they just seem, to, it's just super challenging. I would say that's my biggest yeah. frustration. Where, uh, it is. Definitely. It is, for sure. And and I can see that. And stained stairs, that's another big thing, right? Like, the the flooring, you want to stain, but, the, but oh, your stairs come, on, uh, come natural. And then you're like, well, I can't leave that. And they have to be finished. They have to be sealed. So... Yeah, there's there's some of those little uh where you cringe, but I what would you advise clients like save another twenty percent for upgrades because you're going to need it kind of thing. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. and I mean you, you know you and I can say like listen, don't do backsplash now. That's easy and a lot and that's predominantly why a lot of builders have just said it's not worth it for the small amount of space you know square footage that is. And most people are just like, forget it. It's just not worth it because it's too costly with the union fees. And then the builder has to make their markup on it, right? So it just becomes this like 50%, 50%, everybody's markup or 100%, you know, and all of a sudden you're going, okay, this is crazy. Yeah. Right, the cost. Yeah. Anyway, interesting food for thought for, for those mm-hmm. of you who think like, I'm kind of tired of the clients. Maybe it's also for people who like a little bit more, it's not instant gratification, but it's certainly faster than working with a residential client and long lead times probably. Is that safe to say? Uh, yes and no. Um, I've had models where, you know, we've done the design. I have models I finished last March. So whatever, no, last May, whatever. Anyways, they still haven't opened because of site issues. Yeah. Right. So I'm going, oh my God, these things are going to be out of style. By the time. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're never yeah. going to be out of style. So I definitely want to uh, thank you so much for coming in. I'd love to see you uh, again one time, maybe face to face next time would be yes. amazing. Yeah. We like to yeah. end every episode with design intervention. Just great advice you have for the listeners. Well, my tagline, and I firmly believe this, is that design should solve problems and not create them. So I think our job as designers are, it's not just solving the problem of beautifying the space and aesthetically pleasing. It's its solving all the problems throughout the process. So it's making sure the space is functional. But then, as we all know, every project has hiccups and there's bumps in the road. And uh, I'm a firm believer of, okay, like, let's not point fingers. That's not really solving anything. Let's just move along and let's try to rectify the situation and get it done fast. And if it's something we did, let's hope I learned from it. Or, you know, it's, you know, something to put in the, in the notebook for, okay, next time we got to do this, this, and this. So we're always about solving the problem. And for our job as, as designers for these builders, we're solving their problem of, not their problem, but solving their 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 marketing needs to make these uh, model homes, you know, aspirational, inspirational for for purchasers. So they hopefully they buy them, and we take the headache of just handling everything from start to finish. Great philosophy. I love that. Design should solve problems, not create them. And I do feel like we do spend a lot of our time just kind of stick handling challenges, obstacles, problems, and and coming up with the best solution possible. Yes, absolutely. 
Well, thank you. So great to see you. Have a wonderful rest of your uh, week. Thanks so much for having me. And thanks for being a guest on, uh, on my show. Anytime, anytime. Thank you for being part of the Business of Design community and supporting BOD's mission to improve the industry one design business at a time. It's time for you to take the next step and join Business of Design. Like thousands of design professionals in 50 countries around the world, you'll find the systems, strategies, and protocols you need to dramatically improve your business and transform your life. What are you waiting for? Start today 